So from this scripture, what we learned is that Jesus transferred the presence of God from this temple, from a place to a person. Right? He was referring to himself, that he was going to raise this temple in three days, and he was talking about himself, where people believed before, before the presence of God dwelled in a place, right, in this temple. And people said it took 46 years to build this temple, and now you're going to destroy it and raise it up in three days. It didn't make any sense to people at the time. But what happened was that with Jesus, he actually transferred the presence of God from a static location, a temple in Jerusalem, to a person, to people. Right? The presence of God got transferred. And so when he raised in three days, he created a new temple. And it's funny it's because even the disciples did not really understand what he was talking about at the time. It was such a foreign concept. It was a brand new concept that, you know, they probably just heard Jesus mutter these things and be like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then they just like kept moving on. They really didn't comprehend what he was saying. And I think it's always very interesting how, you know, the gospel writers, a lot of them, you know, they're, they're either first or secondhand from the disciples themselves, right? So for the book of John, it was written by John, who was one of the disciples. And I just always, and I was reading this passage, I think it was interesting how he adds at the end that, then the disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. And so he adds kind of like this funny line at the end, even about himself. Right? He is one of the disciples himself. And it kind of adds a touch of humanity when you read these stories and when you read the Gospels. Because a lot of times when we read them, I think we kind of look at it as like ancient historical texts. And we kind of forget that these are actually like real life people. They're kind of like you and I. And they actually add their own flavor and they add their own personality to it. And... It's kind of like he was kind of writing about himself. Like, you know, also, I lacked faith, too. I did not understand what Jesus was saying until after he resurrected. And I was like, oh, then it all makes sense, like, what is happening. So I wanted to use this scripture to, let, to show that the presence of God, there was a transition thing that was happening in place. There was a transition happening where the presence of God was dwelling. So then we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17. So this is written to the church of Corinth. It writes, Paul writes, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. So Paul writes this later, to the church in Corinth. And he writes that you yourselves are God's temple. And he also writes that you together are that temple. He also writes that God's spirit dwells in your midst. So what happened was when Jesus, he made that transition possible where now the God, spirit of God actually dwells within us and that we individually and collectively have become God's temple. That it's kind of crazy to think that the presence of God actually dwells among us, dwells within us. Like, it's a really, like, weird concept that when we dedicate our lives to Christ and when the Holy Spirit lives in us, that we have now become God's temple.
And I think a lot of times when we live our own lives from day to day, we don't live with that paradigm. It's like a foreign concept even to us that even now, we, like now we are considered God's temple, that God's presence lives within us, dwells within us, dwells among us. And, but we live in a body, right? We all have physical bodies. The body is finite. So God himself is unlimited, but our bodies are limited. It is confined to a limited body. And so collectively, when we add more finite bodies, the capacity of the presence of God continues to increase. So it's a very interesting thing that the more and more, when, you, the follower, when, Christ, when Christians come together, the presence of God is here, and that the capacity continues to increase as more and more people come together. You know, the, the presence of God doesn't dwell in a building, per se, right? It doesn't dwell, per se, in 1177 Laurelwood Road. And for you guys who don't know what 1177 Laurelwood Road really is, you stay here a little longer and you'll know exactly that address. <laughs> but that's the address of this church. And it doesn't dwell, you know, it doesn't dwell exactly here. It doesn't dwell exactly in Emmanuel Chapel. It dwells here because we as a body of Christians, come and meet here. When we collectively come here and we meet in this place, God dwells here and God is among us. And that's why God's presence is here at 1177 Laurelwood Road in Emmanuel Chapel. And a lot of times when you, got, when you might hear me when I'm praying, I always say, the presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. You know, I say it in faith because I read scripture and I know that wherever the believers are together, that the presence of God is here. Whether you feel it or don't feel it, I believe what scripture says, that the presence of God is here as body of believers. And I think when you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you actually do notice that there is something different when Christians come together and they meet there is like something different. The atmosphere is a little different than other social settings or community settings. And that is the presence of God. The spiritual atmosphere is different. For people who maybe are not Christian, you can might say it's, like some, it's almost like a magical feeling. Right? Like it just feels magical. Something is different. But as Christians, we know it's because it's the presence of God is here. There's a spiritual, tangible difference that we can feel. It's, at least for me, it's very hard to explain. Like, if you ask me to explain it, it's really hard for me to explain it. But I just know and I can feel that something is different. It's a feeling that I don't feel in any other social setting. It's something I don't feel in any other community groups. But I only feel it when I'm among Christians and among other believers. And so this... Now we have become the temple. The temple is no longer stationary, but it has become an active, dynamic temple where it resides with a community of believers. When you think of it, it's almost like spiritual food. 
Like for me, this, the presence of God, it's hard to explain until you like kind of don't have it. A lot of times that's how you kind of realize like how it's important or how it influences your life is when you don't have it. So for an example, like I don't like to exercise. So I, I really, honestly, like if I, don't, if I didn't have to, I choose not to exercise. I'd rather just sit there and let my body's metabolism uh, work itself out naturally that way. Try to lose that weight that way. Or I try to sleep it off, right? If I just eat less and sleep more, you know, try to... <laughs> but I realized that actually if I don't exercise for like two weeks, actually, I, I actually notice, it's weird because day by day I don't notice it that much, but after two weeks I actually do notice a difference. Like, wow, I just feel more sluggish. I feel less, I feel like not doing anything. And I realized that when I go exercise on a weekly basis, it actually increases, like, my energy level. All right? So I, I actively try to exercise, like, on Sunday nights, I go play basketball. Like, whether I'm feeling or not feeling it, I try my best to go because I actually do feel a tangible difference for the rest of the week. I, I feel like I have more energy. I feel rejuvenated. And I would say the same thing when it comes with the presence of God. I'm not saying you guys, I'm not recommending you guys doing this, but if you've missed church for like two weeks, you kind of know, I'm assuming you probably kind of know what I'm talking about. There have been times in my life where I've missed church for like an extended period of time, like two weeks or plus, and I, I thought like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, I know conceptually the presence of God, okay, got it. But I realized that when you come with a community of believers and you put God first and you come on Sunday, it is different. And I realized that even after two weeks of not going to a Sunday service, something starts happening to my spiritual life. Like I just start feeling very spiritually sluggish. And I start doing things that I normally would never do. And I'll be like, oh man, like something is really wrong. And then I realize, oh, it's because I'm not feeding myself spiritually. I'm lacking spiritual food. And when you come to Sunday service and you dwell in the presence of God, it's like you're eating spiritual food. You're absorbing spiritual nutrients. And it also mentions that scripture that God will destroy that person that tries to destroy God's temple. It's interesting because I always, ultimately God's church, God's temple will win. And I've mentioned this before in previous sermons that every thing that, tried to, has, that has persecuted the church, the church has outlasted the, anything that's persecuted it. Like at the time, the Roman Empire was persecuting the church, and the church has outlasted the Roman Empire. And honestly, anything that's persecuting the church today, the church will outlast that too. And maybe at that particular moment in time, it doesn't feel like God's temple is winning, but I would encourage you, and even based on scripture, that over the long term, that God's church will always win, that God will always win. So we're in this temple, and they wor we worship God, but what is worship, and why do we worship? I was looking at different de definitions of what worship is, and I think I just really summed it up to this. easiest way is that it's showing the highest honor to God. We put God above all things. God is first. And Sunday morning is symbolic of this. Sunday morning, we come. It's the first day of the week. Sunday morning, we together as one group, 
we have consciously made the effort to say, hey, God is first in our lives. God is first in the week. We put God above all things. And when we come here in Sunday service and we sing songs, we're not actually singing songs, right? We're actually praising God. We're not singing lyrics. We're not singing songs. We're actually praising God. The lyrics are helping us praise the Lord. We are honoring him. Because when we worship something, we tend to praise it. We, send, we tend to say all the good things about it. Right? So this is not like a perfect example, okay? So I'm just using an example, but this is not a perfect example. But I'm assuming, at least in today's day and age, I feel like a lot of people idolize like K-pop stars. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> the K-pop stars, male or female, a lot of people idolize K-pop stars, right? And you guys probably don't do it on the outside, but on the inside, you're probably always praising them. You know, maybe not among me, you're not like saying that, oh, like, you know, have you heard of, you know, honestly, I don't follow it, but I just know like there's like BTS or something. I think they're like really popular. Is that, is that one of them? Yeah. So probably deep down inside, you're like praising them, right? You're probably praising like, oh, how good looking they are, right? If it's, you're probably praising like how well they dance, how well they sing. We tend to praise things that we worship. And it's okay if you admire their gifts and their talents and the way they look. It's okay, okay? But do you bring that same awe, that reverence and praise towards God? Who is above and greater than all those things and the creator of all those things? In Psalms 104 to 5, it mentions, David writes this when he is praising the Lord, when he's worshiping the Lord. He says, he enters his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Think about that. We, we praise the Lord we give thanks to the Lord. We worship the Lord because for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Think about the other things in your life that you may worship secretly. Are those things good? Maybe. Maybe they're good. But do, do those things, do their love endure forever? Probably not. Does their faithfulness continue through all generations? Most likely doesn't either. But God is the only object of worship, or you can say person, deity of worship, that he is good, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues through all generations. All generations. Not just this generation, but the previous generation, and the previous generation and the generation after us, and the generation after us. Through all generations, his love endures forever. He is good. That's why we worship him. That's why we give him the highest honor. That's why we, we sing his praises. That's why we give him the honor above all things. 
This is You know, like another example I like to share is, you know, when we go to concerts, I, like music concerts, you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, no. I say this actually because I don't really go to those either, so I just want to make sure that you guys, <laughs> but, right, we dance and we, I mean, assume you guys dance, you sing, right, you probably even lift your hands, you clap your hands. Right, you, you lift your hands in the air like you just don't care. And there's nothing wrong with that. I saw it back there. But when you come to church, why do a lot of people just stand there like they don't care? Right, we lift our hands like we just don't care when we go to these concerts, but when we come to church, we just stand there still like we just don't care. True worship is not like an outward action, Okay. It is an inward posture towards God. But the outward action oftentimes is a reflection of what your inward posture is. In Romans 12, chapter 1, Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, Paul writes that the highest form of worship is offering your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Essentially, he's saying just to offer your whole life to the Lord. That is the ultimate form of worship. The ultimate form of honor, of reverence to the Lord is to dedicate your whole life to him. You know, so for myself, you know, when I'm, sometimes you guys, I'm not sure if you guys are looking at me or not, but when I'm in the front, hopefully you guys are not, you guys are looking at the screen, but or, you know, you and, your pres- you and God are just worshiping together. But if you do see, or, sorry, anyways, you guys, oh, what? anyways, if, but in the, what I'm trying to say, sorry, in the front, when you, when you see me lifting my hands, you know, for me, because you, you guys probably only see me now, but before, when I first came to this church, I was the guy that always stood in the back and never raised his hand. And I kind of always think about, like, I've been here at this church for 20 years, so every single year I just move up a row. <laughs> and now I'm in the front. <laughs> but I never raised my hands when I first came. But as I've been at this church longer and I've learned about the Lord more, you know, the reason why I raise my hand is not necessarily because I always feel something or I feel it, but it's because I, rem- I make a choice to surrender my life to the Lord. Because I normally, no, opening, lifting your hands up is not a normal human behavior, I don't think, for most part. At least for me, it's not. When I do this, it's almost an act of humility, an act of surrender, saying, God, I surrender my life to you. I don't lift my hands for anything else, but I lift my hands to you as an act of surrender. It's not a normal behavior for me, 
but I do this for you to say, hey, I surrender. I'm willing to do something totally not what I'm, I normally do. And so everyone is different. Everyone's, how they posture, how they show reverence and awe to the Lord is different. So I'm not saying that there's only one way of doing that. For some people it is to, you know, there's quiet, they're just quiet with the Lord or they may bow down. Some people may stand up. Some people may clap. Some people may shout. Some people may dance. Everyone is different. But when we come before the Lord and we worship the Lord, are you surrendering your life to the Lord? Are you giving the Lord the highest honor? The next thing I wanted to share about Sunday service, so that is about worship, how we come here to give the Lord the first. We give God honor. We give God his reverence because he is good. His love endures forever through all generations. We come here to say, God, you deserve the honor. You are worthy. We put you first above all things. So that is one. I would say that's probably the primary reason. And we also have teaching, like I mentioned earlier, and then we get taught the word of God. We get to know what God wants to speak to us about. But another thing, what you do when it happens when you come to church service, is that you actually become and you get a better picture of the bigger part of what God's doing in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. There's multiple, the bo- there's multiple body parts, multiple people doing multiple things, but if you only stay in your group, you don't get to see what's happening in the bigger picture that God is doing in the church. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27. This is, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I'm going to take another water break, if that's okay. So if you attend life group, you have one, you are part of the body of Christ, but it is one, it is one part of it. You see what's happening in that one group. But that life group is also part of a larger body. That body is Ignite. And Ignite is part of a larger body, which is called River of Life Christian Church. And then you can think of River of Life Christian Church as even part of a larger body, the global church. And if you only went to life group and you never went to Ignite, you would have a very limited perspective on the vision and direction of the church. So if the church is going one way and you never like came to Ignite, you would never know what direction the greater church is going because you're always in that smaller group. And it can be very detrimental. Right, I'll give you an example I thought of, is the human heart is part of the body. The human heart is part of the body. The human heart needs to know what the body is doing. So for example, when the body is exercising, the heart knows that it needs to pump more blood so that you can get more blood 
and oxygen faster into your muscles. But if you pump faster and you're not exercising, right, that can actually be very deadly. So the heart needs to know what the greater body is doing. So then it knows how fast it needs to pump or how slow. And it's a similar concept is that if you're not aware of what the larger body is doing, you might actually be doing something that might be like, that could be detrimental to yourself. And so when you come to Ignite, you get to learn what the bigger body is doing and then what your part of that can be. And then for me, I'm part of the Greater River of Life Christian Church. So for me, in order to be able to lead Ignite well, I also have to go to big events where the bigger church gathers together so I can also get a pulse and know what the bigger, greater church is doing. So then I can also lead this group well too so we don't, it doesn't get led to somewhere that might be detrimental. And our church leaders, they also attend other church meetings or church conferences and the global church to learn more so they also know how to lead our church as well. So when you come to these services, another thing is that you get to learn what the greater church body is doing. You know where the river is flowing. You know where you need to like go with the river and then sometimes where there's where the river is more wide and you get to play a little bit more and then sometimes the river is a little bit more narrow and you got to like streamline and get through this river, like go down the river without too many distractions. And for me, that is one of the things that's helped me to be successful or to be here in this position. And so I also wanted to share that with you guys as well. And I want you guys to also do well and be successful in what God has asked you or called you to do here. You know, for me, there's always people that can speak better than me. Right? There's always people that can, um, you know, that have more training than me. But one of the things that maybe I'm really good at is that I know where I'm allowed to rock the boat, and I know where I'm not allowed to rock the boat. <laughs> and I get that because I get a bigger sense of what the greater church is doing. So Sunday services, three things I wanted to mention is that we come here for the teaching, we come here to worship God, to host the presence of God, and we come here to also get the bigger picture. This is why we come to Sunday service. So, um, I thought about sharing a personal story, but honestly, I'm just like questioning right now. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm. That's why I was also pausing for a while. But I think I think maybe uh, we'll just go into a time of response. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, or I, I, I was just going to just share that 
you know, last, last week I shared about my life group experience and how it changed me. So I just, I, I just wanted to share that. I'll share a little bit about how Sunday services have changed me, okay? And why I always find it very important to come. Uh, you know, I, I came here about 20 years ago, and I came from a small church. Very charismatic church, actually. Much more charismatic than here, because it's, it's small, right? And there's, it's very small, and services are long. Uh, I, the reason why I can stand for so long is because of that. I remember when I was young, there, the, our Sunday school teacher was an older lady said, if I can stand and worship for an hour, then you young people can too. And so I think I've trained myself since a, in a good, you know, it's not a good way. She's was, she was actually very formative in who I am as a person today. And so that's how come I can stand for so long a lot of times when I'm worshiping. And so when I came here, it was charismatic enough where I'm like, I kind of knew, but it was also a little bit not as charismatic as the, the place that I went. So I know for some of you guys, it's the other way around. You guys came from a probably more conservative place, and this is more charismatic. So you guys are, you know, we, people come to church sometimes for, for different reasons. But when I, when I came here, I remember the thing that really st- I was stuck in awe with was like, because I came from a small church, was how... Like I mentioned, the youth group, there was like 100-something people at the time. It was the largest group I've ever seen at that time. And I was just amazed at how there were so many. Because in my mind this whole time, my paradigm of Christianity was always very small because I came from a small church. And this is the first time in my whole life where I realized, wow, Christianity is a lot bigger than I thought. It wasn't just a a few people, but it's actually like this global movement that's been going on for thousands of years. And this is the first time I was exposed to that, and I was just kind of like almost awestruck. You can almost say like a magical place, right? And I was like, oh my goodness. And people would, like I said, it was, there were multiple small groups. There was a lot of people. I was like, wow, like these people are really passionate about the Lord, but in a different way than what I was used to. And I remember that like I just always had that feeling of being awestruck when I went there, especially when I was in high school. And I always remember that sometimes when I like, lose heart or lose vision on why am I doing this, I, I try to recall those days when I remember when I first came to church, when I first came to Sunday service, and like, wow, how in awe I was of what God was doing and what God continues to do. And hopefully when you, know, when you come to Ignite, you get a sense of that feeling as well and awe of what God is doing. And if you don't, I hope God can rekindle that fire and that vision <laughs> that you can experience that. Because God, when we come to the church, we are in awe of what God is doing. God is always doing something amazing. We just have to open our eyes to see what he's doing. So as we go into a time of response, let's just spend this time giving God the highest honor, that we come before the Lord to praise him, to lift his name on high, because he is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness for many generations. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you uh, for being here among us in us, through us. Scripture tells us, Lord, that we are now the temple. You know, it's amazing to think, God, that you choose us to be your temple, 
to be your vessel, that you choose us to glorify you. That is truly, truly mind-boggling, out-of-the-box thinking. God, I just pray that as we go into a time where we just continue to be in your presence, that we continue to be transformed and to be changed and to be renewed and to be healed by your presence, that you continue to make us more and more like you, to make us more and more who you've actually created us to be, that you are transforming us to our original design, to how you've created us. God, you deserve all the praise and the honor and the worship. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.